Hi, I'm Lizelle. And I'm Krista. And you're listening to Women Who Startup Radio, a show about innovative, adventurous female entrepreneurs. Today we're talking with Wendy Burkhart, who is the CEO of Silvernest. She is a serial entrepreneur with an extensive career who has found a way to do what she loves while making the world a better place. I'm Wendy Burkhart, and I am the CEO and co-founder of a new startup called Silvernest that's based here in Boulder, Colorado. And um, I am a, I say, a veteran of the tech industry of the last 25 years in different forms and um, a huge proponent for supporting women in tech in business. She's not like some 20-year-old in a hoodie and flip-flops. She is a polished CEO, serial entrepreneur. She really exudes the confidence that comes from actually knowing what you're doing, unlike the rest of us. Like the rest of us 30-something entrepreneurs that are still figuring shit out. Wendy actually seems to have it together. When you talk to her, you just get this sense that you could tell her anything and that she would... Take it with stride. Yeah, and she's so thoughtful. She really has this kind of thoughtful, polished presence. She's like awesome. She's like, you know, we can tackle that. She's very poised. All right. Oh, my God. My career was quite by accident. And it's really funny because I've always had a lot of people say to me, wow, you must have, wow, you've had such a great career and you've had these great opportunities. And, you know, the assumption is always that you planned it. And I honestly didn't plan a single thing. I just happened to always be in the right place at the right time. And I think I was wise enough to recognize when something cool was coming along that I needed to pay attention to. So I didn't have some great big master plan. It The plan sort of took me. She had a collection of opportunities early on in her career where she just continuously said yes. She just said yes and she went for it and she took some risks and it really paid off for her. I started my career at the end of 1989 and early 90s, which was when technology was really coming to life. Wendy has been involved in the development of emerging technologies since the late 80s. She has seen a lot of shit. Corporate career, enterprise, technology, merging, rapid prototyping, blah. I went to work for a company called Sprint, which at the time everyone thought was a competitor to FedEx because it was right after deregulation in the telecom space. Nobody understood what Sprint was. Wendy. Took, took a job she was overqualified for and just worked her way up. And I actually started out and had to earn my stripes. They did not hire anybody that did not have telecom experience. So I actually had to start my career as a secretary. And I was really grumpy about that because I had just graduated. She just said, I'm going to make the best of this and I'm going to take initiative. Bit my tongue and, and jumped in. And I went to work for an amazing woman, amazing woman, who said to me, I know you're overqualified to do this job. But if you come and do this job with me for a year, I promise you that I will make sure that we move you up the ladder. And 10 months later, she did. And it's been all up and to the right from there. She has been a part of emerging technologies like the beginning of iTunes, the beginning of Sprint, Telecom, the beginning of Motorola. Motorola was, at that time, really focused on emerging wireless content product. And this was in 1994. So pre-internet, and we were trying to figure out how to get wireless packet data across paging networks and dropped into a pager, and people thought we were crazy. She was there when the first pagers came out, and everyone thought that was the craziest idea to get content delivered to a device on your person. We were dropping 
you know, sports scores into these two-way pagers, people are like, this is crazy. Why do I ever want this information on a device? I don't need all of this. And now I just look at my smartphone and think, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> we were so in advance of what was to come and had no idea. Two-way communication, AKA pagers. It's kind of badass. I am a builder. I say that quite frequently about myself. When somebody says, how do you describe yourself? I say, I'm a builder. Even now I have a shelf life as the CEO of a company because I take it to a certain point and then I'm ready to roll and I get a little itchy and I want to go build something else. So I like the experience of something new and really having to look at the solving the problem and figuring out the right resources and bringing them together. That's the part that really fuels me and gets me super excited. Wendy works best when she has to start from scratch. It's a craving to do. It's a craving for action. It's a craving for motion to learn. It's like the heartbeat of an entrepreneur. It's like love trying new things constantly. And that doesn't come with abiding rules to live and work beyond the box. She's beyond the box like a catch-22. Then building a company is about putting rules in place. And that's what you do. You say, uh, hey, to. we want to do this thing. Here are, like, here are the guidelines that are going to help us all work succeed. together. Yeah. But then you all constantly want to break your own rules mm -hmm. because you see... You're a rule breaker. <laughs> yeah, because you're a rule breaker. That's why you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> the next few years actually offered me the opportunity to jump on board with some startups. There were no rules. And I'm kind of... I kind of like places where there are no rules. That's sort of my personality. It works really well. And in any of those situations, I was asked to be innovative and creative without really even knowing it. Um, but there was no guidebook. There was no set of rules that said, this is how we do this. Wendy calls herself an entrepreneur. She was really an entrepreneur, but within the framework of a larger organization. Literally every position that I had from the time that I started my career was exactly that way. I walked into environments where they were trying to figure out something new and they just said, hey, can you help us build X and go do it. You've got 90 days. You have $50,000 in budget. You've got two extra team members. Call me in 90 days. Tell me, let me know what you came up with. That's very different than Krista and I meeting this Saturday and saying, let's build a new company. Well, and it's a challenge if you're working in a big organization to be an entrepreneur because you're, you've got change management to deal with that you don't have. You know, we were just talking about breaking the rules. Like there are no, there are no rules when you're starting up your own company. There are a lot of rules when you're starting kind of like a new product or kind of a company within an existing company. I think Wendy feels like that was great training for her to go out and build her own company. And so from that point forward, over the course of the last 15 years, my focus has been in entrepreneurism, um, starting and helping to grow and build businesses. Wendy was a perfect example of entrepreneurship earlier in her career, which is why she probably ended up being a fucking fantastic entrepreneur. We'd like to thank Habitat for being a Women Who Startup Radio sponsor. My name is Brad Todd. I'm the founder and designer of Habitat. I love clients who are willing to take risks and do something different and not accept the standard of everyone else looks like this, so we have to look like this. You know, I love the clients who are saying, everyone looks like this, let's look like the complete opposite of them. You know, business owners, entrepreneurs, startup founders, they just have this drive and this excitement for what they're doing that you can't always find in an established business or kind of a larger business. So that, that really helps drive the creative process. We'd like to thank Habitat for being a Women Who Startup Radio sponsor. You can learn more about Habitat at hellohabitat.com.
Wendy like describes her you know, skill set as being at the intersection of tech, strategy, and growth. And when you put all those together, she's the right person to help you build something. So in the last decade, Wendy has started several businesses. Her most recent venture was a successful B2B consumer data business. The experience that I had was pretty phenomenal. I was asked in 2009 by an investor to come and build a company specifically for him. He'd had this concept but had no idea how to execute it. And so we spent three years building a phenomenal technology platform that was absolutely amazing in its performance. And we did it for under $4 million. Her company captured data real time from multiple points of sale and then sent that data out to a set of subscribers. We were able to actually create a profile on somebody and push it back out the door to a subscriber in less than 30 seconds, looking at sometimes over 300 million points of data in that decisioning process. Wendy's company reached profound success in a very short period of time. I'm a big believer that there are many things that happen in life that are not in our control. Um, and I believe that things line up in many times the way they're supposed to. And if you're paying attention, they work in your favor. Wendy faced one of these, you know, unpredictable events in this data company. We knew straight out of the gate because we were dealing with financial data that we had to operate within a certain level of compliance and we spent a lot of money and time and energy building that. After the banking crisis that had occurred, the federal government actually established the CRPB whose next kind of target, if you will, was actually on the big credit bureaus. And the credit bureau was actually one of our partners. And amazingly enough, the second in command there was a woman who said to me, there's an audit coming and it's gonna be levied on the first tier, the big boys, but then after that, they're gonna come down into the next tiers. She had this data, she was pushing it out and there were regulators saying, you may not be able to do this anymore and there could be a lot of expense associated, regulatory expense associated with running this business. We didn't know for sure if that would actually impact us, but what I did know was that we were at a level of profitability. We had an opportunity to potentially exit, and if we were to sustain and wait to see what would happen, we very well could have put the company in jeopardy by having to capitalize to a much greater degree than what was needed. The decision was, do you sell now before this risk happens uh, or and, and take really a, a valuation hit today versus continuing to grow it and dealing with this potential risk. The best thing that Wendy then went ahead and did was do a serious gut check. I am a woman that has a strong intuition and so there's a lot of things that I'll make a decision on just out of my gut. But a lot of times we're put in positions where we have to make decisions that are fairly arbitrary without a whole lot of detail. And to me, having that extra set of data to be able to make decisions, pivot on, you know, steer the business the right way is, it's an amazing asset. It's a combination of data-driven input and, you know, analyzing that and making decisions based on that. But just leaning towards only one can probably get you in trouble. I am an admitted data geek. I love all things data. I love databases and data models. And, you know, one of the things that you have to be careful about with data is that you can get so caught down in the details of it that you can actually 
really stifle your ability to move forward. So, you know, one of the things that I always tell my team is you can wait until all of the data gives you the answer that you're looking for. And if we do that, we're probably going to miss the boat. So I really do think it's a combination of the two, right? I think, and there's, you know, perhaps an art, perhaps some luck in being able to combine both of those things because data can be powerful, but it can also shut you down if you try to rely on it too much. So Wendy decides to sell her company. Even though it was extremely successful and growing with profound speed. So I made a very difficult decision actually for us to exit the company and sell it at a much lesser value than what we knew it was actually worth and where we knew that it could have gone. It was a great example of there's only so much we can do and at some point you just have to choose to you know I could have beat my head against the table and gotten really mad and fought and fought and fought and um, that in the end wouldn't have done any good. There was nothing we could do. Selling it early meant she could still give returns to her investors and she had the time to be able to make sure her team was placed somewhere else. So by making that decision, I was the only one out of a job. <laughs> um, and it was bittersweet. I was grateful that we made the decision, but at the same time, you know, when you spend three years building something and you see that it's tremendously successful where it is, it is really, really hard to walk away from that. We'd like to thank P2BI for being a Women Who Startup sponsor. Kristen Morgan is the co-founder and CEO of P2B Investor. What's been really challenging about starting a fintech company is that I don't come from finance. And so it's hard to get credibility in this space when you don't come out of that industry. So it's been challenging to build up my own reputation and gain credibility as a founder when this isn't something I've been doing for you know 25 years. We'd like to thank PWI for being a Women Who Startup Radio sponsor. You can learn more about Krista's company at pwi.com. Um, I think when I was ready, this new opportunity presented itself. So as all of this stuff was happening and this um, we were having to make this difficult decision, I was in conversations about acquisition. And I actually happened to be in Las Vegas for a trade show and was on the trade show floor having a dialogue with the potential acquirer. But something happened. I literally was in the middle of a conversation with him and I feel like somebody dropped something on the top of my head because I remember all of a sudden having this bizarre sort of out-of-body experience and looking around the room and thinking to myself, I am one of five women in a room of a thousand people, literally. How did I get here? And where are my people? Like, where's my tribe? And she then has this profound moment of, I need to find my female tribe and women who I can collaborate and engage with on a professional and personal level. I wanna be a girl and I wanna hang out with girls and I want my tribe and I want my people. So I immersed myself in those experiences, maybe not on a professional level, but in other ways. It turned into a significant time of reflection on her life, on her career, on the things that she loved, the things that she was missing in her life. And kind of regroup and decide what would be next for her. I did a lot of interesting things. I decided to just be open and see what came up. And she really started to acknowledge that she wanted to include a lot more friendship and um, peer input and find female colleagues. And so she set out to find a lot of women type groups. And that brought 
that exact experience to me. Through a woman's group, I became friends with a gal. And she became not only friends with her, but also her husband. And they had this concept. They came up with the idea for a silver nest. For the past four or five years, they've been focused on developing alternative housing solutions for the Alzheimer's community. And through this experience, what they came to understand was that this aging population was really struggling with the idea of having to leave their home. We're living longer as a population. Actually, the main asset that a lot of us have as we head into retirement is our actual home. We don't necessarily want to leave the homes, and yet we need to find a way to monetize them and also not be so isolated. Silver Nest is an online roommate matching platform for people over 50. And the idea is that we are gonna help folks leverage their single greatest asset, which is their home, to be able to monetize that, to be able to stay in it longer, and also to potentially engage in a home-sharing relationship that offers them some type of social connectivity. So they had this initial idea, and Deborah had shared it with me, and I, as a favor to them, just as a friend, reviewed a proposal that they had received, spent two hours on the phone with them and said, I will put you in touch with all the right people that you need to make this happen. Things were progressing with her input and her support and her know-how, and she didn't really realize that she was gonna get this sucked into the project. And they called back literally three days later and said, do you wanna be a 50-50 partner? <laughs> and I almost fell out of my chair and I'm like, wow, whoa, I'm not ready for that. And I'm still thinking I'm in this point of transition. The losses that Wendy suffered during her time of transition also really influenced her passion for Silverness. You know, the universe sort of gives you some, it lines up as it's supposed to. Um, I went through some really deep personal loss. I lost my father, I lost one of my best friends. Um, we lost another close friend all in a really short period of time. And it led her to think about what does she want as she gets older? What are the things that are gonna be important to her? I think it was a forcing function for me to sit down on my rear end and really take a hard look at things and decide what's important. How do you wanna spend the balance of this career? And you know, I'm sure as all of you have experienced in, in your own experience with death, um, it really makes you reflect on when I die, what are they gonna say? Right, and I didn't know if I liked my answer. Wendy finds herself at a moment in her life where she realizes she doesn't just wanna set out to build another company. She wants to start a company now that has profound impact at the same time. Wendy's using her long career in tech to do something that really speaks to her soul. This next venture is this beautiful intersection of employing the knowledge that I have from the technology world with where my heart and soul really sits. She's cultivating what a very high and early concept was into a true, brilliant, you know, shared marketplace. In its simplest form, it's a transaction platform today that does matching, that helps bring people together. And we offer them the tools that they need to engage in a home sharing relationship, including a lease and then auto bill pay. So Wendy really hopes that with Silvernest, they're gonna be somewhat disruptive in how we think about the aging population. Um, the idea is certainly simple and, hey, this is a transaction platform that enables this. Our aspiration is actually to have a voice 
in changing aging and how we age in the United States and make people look at it a little differently. Silverness is reintroducing the concept of shared living, health, and mental well-being. They're really focused on making sure that baby boomers are not isolated. We have a tendency to isolate our aging communities, you know, put put everyone who's the same age in, in one place where they won't interact with the rest of the world. And, you know, Wendy and her friends really wanted to change that dynamic, help people stay not just in their homes, but in their community that, you know, they've been building with their neighbors and their neighbors' children and their grandchildren and, you know, just keep it more inclusive rather than shipping them off to, you know, some retirement community. Most people would recognize the American dream as your ability to be independent and to take care of yourself and to be successful. We all aspire to having that freedom, that freedom of independence, whether it's based on our wealth, whether it's based on our, um, you know, our career, whatever that is for each of us personally, we aspire to a certain level of independence. And unfortunately, when you extend that into the later years of our life, it doesn't always translate. Isolation doesn't need to be the result of this idea of independence. We all want to be relevant. We all want to be connected. So if you just think about it in your own personal experience and think about what you want, I think that right there would tell you a lot. Well, it's a funny thing because you, you're right. We just assume that once you're 55, you're like not allowed to hang out with people who are 30 anymore unless they're your children. And that is ridiculous. At the end of the day, we all want to be connected and relevant and heard. And we all want to be engaged. While I'm alive, I want to feel this life. I want to engage this life. I want to share my knowledge. I want to learn from other people. I want to have dinner parties or go play tennis with my neighbor's kids or whatever. Even when you're 85, even when you're 90, nobody wants to go and sit by themselves. It's amazing because it's something we don't, we don't talk about a lot in the tech world. You know, what will it be like when we retire? It's a very youth-focused world, really, in, in a way. and and. And here's Wendy saying, actually, we need to take some of this great tech and start to solve, you know, problems that are kind of swept under the rug. People are living longer. And our aging population is doubling. So by virtue of just the sheer mass of numbers of folks that are actually about to age or in the process of aging, I think that there are going to be a number of new alternatives that show up to service this market. And that's really what we aspire to with Silvernest. It's not just tech and taking the money from baby boomers. No, we're a service company. Technology enables us. And we just so happen to use the best in class technology because of course that's my background and that's the team that we've used to build it. But we are first and foremost a service company that uses amazing technology to deliver a value proposition. For her, the service is top of mind. Conscious capitalism came into my view and it spoke to me because I believe in the efficiency and in the productivity of business. I do believe in capitalism. I believe it's the greatest you know, way to empower folks. My heart is very philanthropic, but from a business operations perspective, you see so many philanthropies struggle in their ability to impact. Give them the tools to be able to provide for themselves. Don't just give. Conscious capitalism means that you are not just interested in the outcome of profound profit. You are interested in the outcome of a successful company, which also has a positive impact on people and the environment. When you're building a business, you, 
you have multiple stakeholders that include everything from your responsibility in the world at an environment level to taking care of your employees. So the stakeholder isn't just the investor, right? And if you honor the stakeholders collectively as you design a business, the business can absolutely be profitable and successful and still do all the right things. And maybe by doing all the right things, you get to be more profitable. Thanks to Steno for being a Woman Who Startup Radio sponsor. I'm Lindsay Strickler. And I'm Rex Roberts. And we are co-owners of Steno. There's a time and a place for the more open environment, high-energy workspaces. The design of why we're different than a lot of other co-working spaces is that we actually move away from the Google open workspace mentality. Generating um, a cool space for good, smart people to be around each other, but not necessarily get in the way of each other. We have more segmented, closed-off spaces that help give people the space to be productive without being distracted. Thank Thanks to Steno for being a Woman Who Startup Radio sponsor. You can learn more at stenodenver.com. 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 Wendy has decided to become an active mentor of young female entrepreneurs. I'm sort of hoping she mentors me. Many people ask me often, why just females? And so I would say I don't naturally bias against men. If, if one shows up, I'm happy to help. Um, but I also feel like we need a little extra love for the girls. We need some help to show them to connect them to resources and and to help them. And I think, um, you know, being a woman, I, I get it. And it's very easy for me to work with women. It's our job to come together and support each other. Historically, we've done a really crappy job about supporting each other. For the most part, a lot of it is subliminal. And it comes from a patterning that most people haven't even paid attention to as they've moved through their life, which really goes all the way back to the beginning of time. And it's all about our survival. Right? So as the female in the family, our responsibility was to nurture that family and make sure that we had enough resource to take care of those children. You'd have you know, a tribe and five guys would go out to hunt and four would come back. Well, you still have five women, so what are you going to do? Right? Somebody's got to feed these kids, so i got to make sure that I can hook up with somebody who can get me some food. Right? That that actually resembles how our corporate environments have been. Right? When you think about it, as you move up, particularly in rank, there are fewer and fewer slots. So what happens? You know, I think women, as they move up, become isolated and they become competitive. Women have been very competitive for too damn long. Whew, we got to wake up. It's time to change that. You know, in as much as we can sit and say that we've been oppressed by a male dominance in you know, certain working environments, we have to take responsibility for the fact that we've participated in that and we have not been very nice to each other. One of the things I feel I have a responsibility to is helping women show up and work together differently. I think the, the shift we have to make is not just the we as women can't, you know, sort of we have to help each other, agreed, and then there have to be more of us, but then we're gonna have to go through this whole kind of shift where people have to realize that there's nothing wrong with it. For the first time, we're having some really exciting conversations that are really about the empowerment of women in business um, and looking at our opportunities a little bit different. So I think if we go back and we look at our, I think of it as my, like my mother, that generation, they paved the path for saying, we want, we want the opportunity to show up. And we want to come to work. We don't want to just stay at home, right? And we want to be respected and we want to be included. And now I think what's happening is we're shifting from, okay, that's cool. 
Like that's happened. But now it goes beyond that. It has, it also has to incorporate for us the things that we care about, the things, you know, do we get to show up and be respected? Do we get to show up and and be as successful as we're designed to be? Are we allowed to show up authentically? I think those are the conversations that are occurring now, which I think are even more important than simply the conversation about opportunity. Wendy sees that it can be hard to connect mentors and the people that need them. What I still recognize is that there is a lack of resource that's given, whether it's in funding, whether it's in access to people, access to education in an experiential perspective. And so we need to create safe environments. We need to create these communities that allow us to show up and ask the questions and get help. So I, my goal, particularly as a mentor for younger women, is to hopefully have that conversation and say, you know what? Our job is to make sure that we're taking care of each other, that we can lean on each other, that we can support each other. Don't throw... Don't throw your colleague under the bus, right? Don't engage in opportunistic behavior that sacrifices somebody else. Um, I really, really hope that we can really work in a different way together because I think that time is right now. It's not about the goal. It's about the journey. Right now, we just have to laugh and enjoy where we are and enjoy the process and the fact that we get to do this and we get to create and it's cool and what's gonna happen is gonna happen and we'll do the best we can to support it. But you have to remind yourself to stop and enjoy what you're doing right now because you may get to the goal and it may not be anything you ever <laughs> wanted, right? And so it's important to pay attention to where you're at right now and, and enjoy that part of it. Thanks so much for listening to Women Who Startup Radio. We'd like to thank our team, our sponsors, P2B Investor and Steno Coworking Space, our producer, Aaron Bassidy, and our engineer and co-producer, Allison Wrights. At Women Who Startup Radio, we're writing women back into history by telling the stories of innovative, adventurous female entrepreneurs. It's time to put on those boots and keep climbing. For me, keep climbing means being the very best version of myself that I can be. And so I think whether that means creating a business that offers success for the folks that are involved, whether it means participating you know, as a mentor, whether that means just simply learning, be the very best person that you can be and offer that back. You can subscribe to Women Who Start Up Radio on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. We love to hear your feedback and your stories. Rate us in iTunes and let us know what you think on Twitter at, at WW Startup Radio.